The world is always moving. Everything changes, whether those changes be cataclysmic or invisible. Every day we open our eyes to see a world that has never existed before, and before we know it, it has vanished into another new world. In the Coral Coast, one can watch the world change before their very eyes, and everyone living there knows that the present and the future are malleable. Even the past, when we ourselves change, becomes uncertain. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. I'm your host, King Cat, and so have I always been, and always shall be. Now and forever. All hail, King Cat. Pepper, I didn't vote for that. I don't think it works <laughs> that way. Okay, so... <laughs> Audience, you may have met Kirsten. Hello. Yeah, I, I don't really know much about politics, though. You know what? Honestly, you're better off without. Because somebody who knows way too much about politics and political structures. Nick is here. Hello, I am here. I won't get into that with everybody today. I know you don't want to hear that. No, I was just going to say, the knowledge doesn't bring you any joy, does it? That's still up for debate. Okay. Kathleen is here. That's not up for debate. We've got a Kathleen. No, I'm here. You're here for sure? I'm here. That's exactly where I am. Great. Fantastic. You may have heard an unfamiliar voice, listener. And if you did hear an unfamiliar voice, it's because you haven't been listening to Edge of the World. Shame on you. Bill's here. I'm just looking for the bathroom. Can somebody point me to the bathroom? It is. No, you're just um, left of that. Left. Ooh. Oh, a little oh. further down. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't even have a door. Hi. Hello. I'm Bill. Hi. <laughs> Hi, <Hello>. Bill. <laughs> Bill is going to be guesting with us for this arc. Bill is a friend of mine from the stream. Um, right now, we're working on turning the stream into podcast, yeah. at which point you will be able to listen to Bill as the irrepressible Maisel Fisk. <laughs> However, that's not what Bill's doing this arc. We're about to find out what Bill's doing this arc. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me, everybody. Previously on Sword of Symphonies, the party went back to the Coral Coast, the place where they all met in the first place. And they were greeted with another reunion. They ran into Fulquin and Rada, who were also taking in the sunshine and helping out at the laboratories of the Hushwave City Academy of Arts and Sciences. While they were in Hushwave City, they saw a poster that had been put up. Well... Tissa did. A poster advertising a bounty on the pollen of the violet bat bell, a plant that is said to bloom once every 20 years. Researchers put a high price on it. The Department of Neurology is adamant that its psychoactive properties can be important to their research. The Historical Department cites numerous ancient rituals that took place using the pollen of the violet bat bell long before the cataclysm that they would love to unravel. And I'm sure other people have other reasons for wanting it. Don't worry about it. So now we find ourselves at the Checkerboard Lodge. I believe when we last left our party, they were sharing drinks out of small melons. Tissa walks in with Gideon and Daybreak looks around and sees all of the rest of them and kind of points at Daybreak with a kind of like, hey, look at who I found kind of gesture. Oh, hey. Yeah, obviously, Rada says. My other dragon is here. Yay. And Fulquin kind of waves and Daybreak gives a little wave back kind of sheepishly. You have two dragons? Yeah. I have two. And Rada rolls their eyes. How come she gets to collect, like, friends and we just seem to collect greater demons? Mm. I think one of us is getting a better deal here. <laughs> I mean, maybe collecting demons makes us famous? Mm. Yeah, Penelope. I'm sure the demons are thrilled. They want your autograph. You're so cool. They kind of do sometimes. And Cobb just sort of like begrudgingly sips from his melon. 
as grumpily as you can sit from a melon. <laughs> ah, speaking of making new friends, we have to go, Rada. We have to go. Rada takes a minute. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, we got to meet somebody. It's been seeing you again. Laters. Stay safe out there. Bye. <clears throat> maybe, maybe we'll run into you again. <laughs> yeah. Unless you guys want to come, too. And Rada just freezes in their tracks and gives Fulquin a barely restrained what-are-you-doing look. Come on! All right. Lead the way. <laughs> All right, well, I'm taking the drink with me. I'm going to sit this one out, Gideon says. Mm-hmm. And gives a little wave of the hand that isn't completely loaded with food. Oh, you look like you all be busy. Yeah. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. Tissa, like, moves around in her boot and tries to see if she can find another place to put her knife. And so putting it back in the boot and shrugs. Be like, hmm, guess not. You did your best. There are so many places you can hide knives. So cool. <laughs> Why did you give her that? Okay. One of one of the recurring things that I love to do in this system is apparently give knives to people I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. It's just a thing. It's not a Cobb thing because he wasn't playing Cobb. It's, it's a, a Nick, Nick thing. <laughs> I will find the one character who I probably should not give a knife to and go, you know what? They need a knife. I think you've done it twice on Sword of Symphonies because you gave Sod a knife too. I did. He's eight. Well, he's an eight-year-old with a knife. He is now, yeah. <laughs> so, Fulquin leads you up the road, just happily humming to herself, with Daybreak walking on one side and Rada grumbling on the other. And eventually you come to a small pharmacy. How can I describe this building? It's a small pharmacy. It looks kind of like a place where you would get pills, but like a little. Um, there. <laughs> Like, Go on. I can do it. I'm a good GM. Can't, are you saying the so pills you, are a little or the building? I mean, both, whichever. Okay. Oh, no. Bill is going to take all my <laughs> dumb jokes from me. <laughs> <laughs> He's quick on the draw. You have to be You have to be sharp. He'll get you. Oh, no. Rival found. <laughs> I was worried about this. <laughs> I was worried about exactly this. Okay. So you come up to a smallish pharmacy. Can I get sensitivity rolls, please? Uh, I think Cobb's going to roll sensitivity humanity. He's just kind of like making sure that nobody is getting too rowdy with their knives. <laughs> a success and an edge on sensitivity performance. Tissa is listening to some street music instead. Wonderful. Penelope is going to roll uh, sensitivity humanity. Okay. Cobb got one success and one edge success. One success and an edge success will tell you Penelope's thinking about it. She's thinking about it. She's always thinking about it. She might need a talking to. Cobb <laughs> is just squinting at her and like slowly sipping his beverage out of his melon cup. Um, Tessa. The players nearby are playing an excerpt from a well-loved musical in this area. Ah. This is the scene where the villain gives the big dramatic motivation song. It's the villain songs are always the ones that are the showstoppers. Right. It's very powerful. And there's a vocalist who's clearly really feeling this villain's ambition. They're doing a good job. Nice. Uh, let's see. Penelope, you can tell. Did you, sorry, Kirsten, did you give me what you rolled? I got no successes. Penelope has no idea. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, none of you worry about it. Welcome to Isabel's Apothecary. That's what the sign out front says. It is a charming, clean, somewhat plain building. Shelves aren't particularly crowded. It's a neat and tidy little apothecary with a side door. Behind the counter, there is a young lady. 
You'd wager a little younger than you, Penelope. She has somewhat messy, short-cropped, dark black hair and is wearing an abundance of black makeup. Well, I'm not giving her a knife. (laughs) (laughs) She probably actually knows what to do with one. (laughs) To be fair, most likely this person would take better care of it than Penelope would, but also Cobb is out of knives. (laughs) (laughs) For now. So she looks up. Oh, hey. And Rada gives her a little wave. Daybreak is distracted by something. And Fulquin, as always, is all smiles, waves her arm in the air. Hi, Isabel. We came back. These are our friends. Yeah, hey. Hello. I'm Penelope. Nice to meet you. Hi. Oh, uh, nice to meet you. And Cobb, like, I guess, like, tries to hide his drink behind his back so that way he doesn't look rude. I mean, you're going to have to order your own drinks. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, uh, anyways, mm-hmm. y- you are Isabel, yes? Yeah. Okay, and um, nice to meet you. And and Cobb just is like, why are we here again? That was what I was going to ask. But we are here, yes. Yes, we are here. Vulcan? Hmm? Oh, I came here to see Isabel. I said we'd come back. Oh. Hi. Oh, right. Isabel was gonna... Isabel was gonna help us go on an adventure. Oh, yeah, that. I mean, depends what you call an adventure, I guess. And she shrugs. Yeah. Isabel and her dad are experts in all kinds of botanicals and plants and what have you. But was this about the little white flowers again, or are we... Is there another flower we're looking for? And Cobb just kind of looks at the other party members. <laughs> looks, at, looks at the party member who knows this plot hook. We only have one because I've done a good job. <laughs> Sorry, gang. I, I guess Tissa will uh, actually move the scene forward and say, Oh, is it the, the big um, carnivorous flower that they're all of the posters about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My botanist friend says it would be really good for their research if we could find some. Mm. Ah. Well, I guess five eyes would be better than two. At this point, Rada cuts in. If you're coming, it's four and a half. Wait a second. Hold on. Five eyes. Penelope. Penelope. How many eyes does a person have, Penelope? This is why you're such a lousy shot. Oh, I mean, that's not fair. You know that I wasn't feeling well that day. Yeah, you're never feeling well at contests. That's why you barfed on the last one. Oh, that's that's a little blow. Ah, don't worry about it, Penelope. They weren't there for the eagle. And Isabel kind of steps out from behind the counter. She is wearing kind of, oh, first of all, very dark clothes. Second of mm-hmm. all, just like borderline overdressed. Mm-hmm. All on the dressy side of functional. And pitch black wherever possible, midnight blue wherever not. Look, if you're going to run an agothetary in the middle of Hushwave <laughs> City. <laughs> I did, yes. No, you have to commit to the bit and this is understood and appreciated. Yeah. And so Isabel kind of goes to a side door, opens it, pokes her head in and shouts, hey, dad, I'm going out. And I think like you hear sort of the clang of like a chair being set down and a couple of stomps towards the door and it's uh, it's opened up. Isabel, it's the middle of a work day. You can't just go out. Oh, I'm sorry. Hello. Well, uh, we're not quite open back here yet. Was my daughter able to help you in finding whatever you needed? Um, I think that maybe what is happening is that that she is helping us get caught up in in the the bat bell fever. Well, I, so can she help us find that? Uh, I think I just looked to Isabel. What were you telling these people? You know, this is a business. Uh. 
<laughs> I didn't tell anybody anything except you that I'm going out. Yeah, I just like shake my head and big like meaty paw hand wave people back. Um, why don't you come back here? We'll uh, we'll have a conversation. We'll have. Oh, I I would imagine typically people order drinks back here, but I suppose you can bring your own in. I told him. <laughs> I'll get something. Wait, they sell drinks at the apothecary now? Apparently. Isn't... Yeah. Wait, didn't they Where always did... do that? And Isabel kind of waves Fulquin and Rada and Daybreak along and just kind of, like, turns the sign around to say closed in the door and leaves. <laughs> just leaves the three of you to deal with her dad and bails. Can <laughs> <laughs> I can take a stab at uh, describing the room if you want. I would love you to do that. All right, cool. So if you all are following, you go down sort of a short hallway that uh, has another door that was left open at the end that just has little doors to like what you imagine being like bathroom stalls or something on the other side. And as you open up, it's the same size room as the frontage room, the pharmacy, but it's just this like dark, no windows, like speakeasy style bar with a little like horseshoe bar in the center and some boots and tables. And it's just like, it's densely, densely packed, and there's still, like, some stools up on tables that's being put together, but it's just this dense, dark, a speakeasy kind of room with bottles and tinctures and a bunch of, uh, like, fungi and plants and stuff in jars. And I think without even looking back as he's leading you guys back, he goes, oh, much, uh, this was rude of me. I'm Cecile Fontaine. You met my daughter, Isabel. Uh, she's worked here for most of her life, and... Uh, I would imagine that leads to some ennui and excitement when there's people her age around. So I, I, I hope you'll forgive her for, well, ignoring you. Oh, it's no worries. Mm. That, that's that's fine. I, I think I understand you maybe a little bit more than you would think. Uh, Jonathan Cobbler, and Cobb holds a, a hand out for a big old handshake. Captain of the Westbreaker. It's very good to meet you, Mr. Cobbler. And the two of you. Oh, hi, I'm Penelope Hunter. It's nice to meet you as well. And I'm Tessa? It's so good to meet all three of you. What, uh, what can I make you? Hmm. Hmm. Penelope kind of hums as she sort of scans the wall of the different tinctures and plants and stuff. Something dry. I've been having these, uh... Delicious, but very sweet drinks for a little while now. Ah, at the lodge, hmm. Swill that they give to the tourists. Nothing better than what would be fed to a horse. Let me dump that for you. Uh, <laughs> um, certainly. Oh, wait. I could give that to Polly. <clears throat> Penelope, do not give Pollyanna alcohol. <laughs> okay, well, curse it for the... For the millionth time, I'm reminding you that Pollyanna is not a horse. You can probably drink like one. <laughs> yeah. Penelope is just the world's most really into it horse girl, and she refuses to be anything else. <laughs> so that's my question for the party, and it's my question now. What's everybody else's drink order? Cobb has asked for something dry. Is there something... Like, Boreal-esque that Penelope might recognize from the woods around where she lives? Yeah, without a doubt. There's, I'd say the abundance of things would look to be more um, locally sourced, more like jungle plant herbs or beachy stuff, tinctures. But there is absolutely just, like, shelves that are labeled with, like, different areas around the continent that, if you look in the jars, there's both solids and liquids that are from those areas. I mean, you say boreal, and I immediately go to juniper. Mm. Uh, Penelope scans the wall and sees some, like, pine needle-looking thing, and sort of motions towards uh, that vial. Absolutely. Tissa, yourself. Um, um, in that aria that they were singing outside, they were talking about... The bitter leaf brew. Is that real or is that a metaphor for the song? Well, it's 
a metaphor, but we did sort of move backwards and create a drink from it. I, I know exactly what to do. Mm. And I think Cecile gets busy behind the bar, starting to just pull stuff and just idly like moving things around while I and the group. So what brings you to my establishment? Um, acquaintances, but then they left and we're still here. You were brought here by children. Well, a good way to start an adventure. <laughs> it happens more often than you'd think with us. I'm sure leave. No! <laughs> Cyberbullying! I imagine then that you didn't realize you were walking into more than just a pharmacy. If this was not your plan, I understand if you... Want to take yourself somewhere else for the afternoon? No, absolutely not. I am fascinated by this place. Plus, you certainly seem like a good barman, so I would like to see what you have. Okay, and he continues on with his chore. So, a scene we've got then is, you know what you haven't, you know what you haven't done, Bill? What's that? You haven't done this. Um, tell us what Cecile looks like, please. Oh, no, it's none of your business. <laughs> okay. The speakeasy is very dark and hazy. <laughs> I was going to say, none of your business is something that Tessa appreciates. Uh, you would not be the first character who canonically looks like none of your business. So. <laughs> I can't begrudge you. Yeah, no, totally. Um, it is indeed very dark in here. It is, uh, I mean, it's extremely speakeasy style speakeasy. You're in what is a glorified, like, big old pantry that had a bar built into it. But when he first, like, ducked out into the light of the main room, Cecile is a little bit older, probably late 40s, maybe 50. Just, like, windswept and sunburned and has seen a lot of stuff. He's got the same sort of straight, black, graying, a little bit hair that Isabel did. It's sort of cut, like, very, very short on sides and slicked back uh, on the top and just, like, hard chopped at neck level. He's got a big, very nicely trimmed mustache and big old bushy eyebrows and collared shirt rolled up. It is like, clearly just been, like, sweat through a two dozen times and not cleaned afterwards, uh, opened up probably too many buttons and rolled up, tucked into just like working pants that have been patched and are like reinforced clearly for going out like scavenging and like big, not appropriate for being inside boots. Like again, like boots for roughing it. So business up top, party on the bottom. <laughs> gotcha. And now just because I very much feel like leaning hard on Bill yeah. to make up for the intro in which I mostly just talked to myself for a while. <laughs> my next question is, please describe to me the drinks that you've made for the party members. Oh, happily. Do uh, yeah. <laughs> so our words were dry, piney, and bitter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Cecile looks to Cobb and um, in a glass, like, swipes across what looks to be, like, just loose tobacco, and he reaches into, like, pockets and pulls out a pipe and puts that next to him. As dry as it could be, don't stuff all of it in at once. Take your time with it. He looks to Penelope, and from behind the bar, he grabs a couple of pruning shears, and in the glass where he had put a couple of the, um, the, the pine needles and a couple of other uh, substances, he just chops off what is now, like, a fully grown stem of pine tree, and he puts that in to the top of a sugar cookie that was just behind <laughs> there. Like, he just, like, he stabs it in like a, uh, like a candle, and lights it, and puts it in front of her. And for Tissa, he, from a big, like, slowly spinning, almost like a, uh, I don't know what it's called, but like a Euro spit, if that has a name. Uh, you know, the big, like, the big meat cone. Um, yeah. He shaves off what looks to just be like a really thin layer of still solidifying hard candy or just wax and starts to like imprint into it with a knife. So he doesn't even need one. He's got one of his own. He brought it from home. <laughs> um, if someone were to look at it, one stanza of that aria and wrap it up and like leave it on the counter in front of her. And uh, what else? Uh, put, oh, oh, put a, a glass over it. Um, it says, that'll, 
just take a moment to calcify, and mm. then it should be very bitter. So sort of like leans up really close and smells it and yeah, probably. Did did you say you lit the pine tree on fire? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a little candle. <laughs> yeah, you, you have a you have a little like birthday cookie candle. Cat told me to make drinks. I made drinks. <laughs> Cobb just kind of looks at the the pipe and tobacco. This is a little more experimental than I was expecting. <laughs> I think Penelope, without looking, slides the cookie over with the still lit pine tree towards Cobb so he can light his pipe. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they go together. This is Look, definitely interesting. I, I was rolling the dice. I, uh, I Look, there are two things you need to know about Bill. One of them <laughs> is that he is... Uh, an extremely fancy lad who knows and cares a great deal about high-end beverages. And the other is that everything he does and says is profoundly cursed. And I didn't know which way the coin was going to land when I flipped it. I just threw that coin in the air and said, hit me, baby. And there we are. This is what we got. This is what we got. Cobb is like slowly puffing off of the, uh, I guess, pine match. I have to admit, it has been a little while since I've had a pipe. This was more of um, my previous captain's thing, but it is enjoyable. Mm. And Kat, I just the reason why this is a, a speakeasy and not just like a bar that the one they were at in the um, the lodge is uh, absolutely using like just dangerously hallucinogenic stuff in a lot of the um, uh, creations here. Not necessarily that these have to be them, but just explaining yeah, that if, if you want to give any consequences to people from uh, accepting all these weird uh, things from a stranger. Um, <laughs> let's let's not <laughs> dose the party up front. <laughs> okay. But be it known, that is the kind of place this is. Yeah. Um, speaking of which... Um, somebody kind of, uh, slinks in through the door. One of your regulars. Uh, lean, tough-looking, middle-aged lady. Uh, usually dressed in sailor's garb. She comes and goes, but when she comes, she comes here. She says, hey. Miss Dreyfus, it's been just a bit. It's very good to see you. Your booth is available as per usual. Great. Uh... Isabel left the door open. Is that okay? Would you mind closing it while I see to these guests? Yeah, just get my usual ready. I'll be right back. Happy to. She turns around and heads back out through the door. Hmm. So, Cecil, while this is very good, are any of the drinks here actually liquids? Oh, <laughs> a few, I suppose. Would you prefer that? <laughs> no, just curious. <laughs> I gotta say, this, this drink is pretty good, Penelope says through a mouthful of cookie. I mean, <laughs> it's not technically a drink, but... I'll admit I was putting you on a bit. Yeah, Tissa is, I think, just copying the stanza down into one of her journals. And the journal just sort of disappears back into her clothes somewhere. And she kind of, like, pokes at it. Cobb is also making sure that uh, Penelope is not stuffing cookies into her pockets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's just the one cookie, so she's going to eat it. There is a whole baking sheet behind the bar that you could probably reach to. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, no. Well, Penelope's eyeing it. She's eyeing it. I mean, she knows better than to take from someone's establishment. But she is looking at it and considering another few drinks. <laughs> And by drink, she means cookies. <laughs> no, I, I know we caught that, Kirsten. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that cookie is drink. <laughs> Thank you, darling. Thank you, Kirsten. <laughs> you know, Bill, I got to say with like the type of drinks and the description of your character, I could totally see this being a hipster bar. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Cecile's regular comes back in, having closed and locked the door and settles in at the bar. Looks around and says, oh, I like you to have so many guests. Getting popular while I was gone? 
They were brought here by children who apparently absconded with my daughter. Ah. It's been a strange morning. Yeah. And as he's saying that to her, she sat down at a spot that has a placemat, and it's the only one that does. And he brings over just an empty glass and a small ball-peen hammer and just puts them down in front of her. <laughs> yeah, she she <laughs> nods and thanks you, turns the glass on its side and rotates it a couple times and starts giving it a couple experimental taps just to kind of see what it can take. So it's, uh, well, I guess the city's busy these days, what with the bat bell blooming. You send anybody after it? Myself, no. I was planning on going out there on my own sooner than later, but, you know, these days, uh, uh, as you've noticed, there are a lot of people around, and, well, I would imagine our friends here would be interested in that as well. Hmm. Well, I got good news and I got bad news for you. And she turns the glass and gives it another experimental tap, and it... A little crack spiders its way through it. And she turns the glass again. What do you want first? Oh, I'm just playing host. Ask them. Hmm? The good news? Yeah, okay. Good I news was gonna is, say bad. I was going to say bad news, too. Okay. All right. I guess I'm outvoted. Bad news. Bad news is it's near a set of ruins. Uh, decimated some... Jeez... Who knows, decimated some years ago by an eruption. I mean, they say the place is rife with horrors, but uh, the good news is, if my contact's right, there's a whole grove of bat bells. Um, and despite the politeness, Cecile was absolutely like, as soon as she started talking, he pulled a pen from over his ear and starts like meticulously note-taking on this. If my source is right, it's enough to stock your shelves for years. Till the next bloom, even. She takes a decisive swing with the hammer and knocks a chunk the size of a loony out of the glass. <laughs> and I don't care if only one of you knows what a loony vig is. That friend is me. Thanks, Kirsten. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know how big that is, but only because Kat would use things uh, to describe <laughs> sizes such as how big a Tim Hortons is. <laughs> Or a bag of ketchup chips. <laughs> every, every Canadian measures things in Tim Hortons. It's like our. It's like the metric system. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's literally that's what the metric system is. <laughs> she takes a decisive swing and knocks a chunk out of the glass and says, "Well, it's uh, up the coast a ways. There's a there's a little inlet that my associate and she gives a pronounced wink used to use for." Legitimate goods, pronounced wink. Not too far from a big old lava plain. Used to be inhabited. They say you can still see buildings poking up out of the rocks. Never shipped any goods by night there. But when they were describing the plants to me, oh, I know what those look like. If they're in bloom right now, whole place is up. Shakes another decisive swing and knocks another big jagged piece out of the glass. Gives it another little turn against the placemat. This contact of yours, how loose-lipped are they? I mean, by the standards of an average person, an absolute safe. Can't crack them. By the standards of a smuggler, another tap with the hammer. Can't shut up. So if I were to close down this back room and leave today. Do you believe that I'd be the first one there or that they've been sharing this information? Hmm. No, I think you'd stand a good chance. I don't know that they've told a whole lot of people and even if they had, it's not exactly a safe place to be with the horrors and the bat bells in bloom. And the lava, and we just sailed up past that way, right? Where'd you come from? Uh, we came from the east. Mm. And, I mean, it could be different, but the coral shoals were really rough. Yeah, yeah. They mostly cleared up by the time we got into port, but yeah. Rough going yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Oh! You guys wouldn't happen to be in that big old ironclad. 
Yeah. Hell of a ship. Yep, that's the Westbreaker. Yeah, our uh, the engineer, um, hell of a lady. She she knew her way around ships, engines, mechanical things. Well, I suppose a good engineer ought to. And with this, she turns the hammer around to the round side and starts tapping on the glass again. It's good to have good engineering associates. And Penelope tries to do the wink, but kind of just ends up doing a scrunched up blink. (laughs) (laughs) Well, problem is, Isabella's gone. Yeah, you'll have to close shop. It's Isabel, but I don't mind that. Uh, You folks wouldn't happen to know where your child guides would have taken my daughter, would you? Oh, our our friends? Well, seeing as one of them is a ranger and one of them is a little bit more than a ranger, anywhere. I don't know if any of you are parents, but that's not traditionally the thing you like to hear about the whereabouts of your child. (laughs) That is exactly what my dad would say. (laughs) (laughs) I will say the person that your daughter is with will keep her safer than anyone else possibly could. I beg to differ. I mean, that's true. I've known, I've known Rada all through school. They're tough as nails. Won't let anything stand in their way. I wasn't exactly referring to Rada, but also Rada is a very tough cookie. They will they will keep her safe. Um. Well, I suppose I'm not the only one here who just heard all that. Would the three of you be interested in hmm, forming a surveying party with me? We would split evenly, of course. Uh, minus whatever we now owe to Ms. Dreyfus here. Oh, these Batbell things are worth money? Oh, more than that, too. The hallucinogenic... Well, I'm, I'm speaking out of term here, but from what I understand... Um, and he knocks the table once uh, instead of winking. Um, the hallucinogenic properties of these are not only used for medicine, for coercion for recreation, but, well, they're only rarely studied being so hard to come by to begin with, so whomever was to control the vast quantity of their uh, crop would be able to do so, well, indefinitely, if they were to find a way to recreate that crop. I'm saying, yes, they're worth money. Supply and demand. Penelope, like, knocks the table. That's way easier. (laughs) Way easier than we can. just kind of turns to Tissa. Why is everybody here obsessed with plants? Tissa is busy making a um, pencil drawing of the drink that she was given. She, I guess, has completely checked out of the conversation. I'm not <laughs> sure why. <laughs> that's, that's Tissa. V- very well. Certainly, Cecil. Uh, also, most likely we might even come across your daughter. I am pretty certain they were also going looking for some sort of plant or thing like that. And if these things are truly as desirable as all that, then they're probably looking for it too. And if that's the case, they stand a very good chance of beating us there. Well, if anyone could do so. I mean, right. now there's two, three... Five, six, seven, fourteen eyes looking for it. <laughs> Set up and pay off. <laughs> See, Kirsten's learning how to storytelling. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's very good. I'm very pleased with it. <laughs> so everybody leaves the small speakeasy in the back of the suspiciously small pharmacy. And into, we're going to say we're just rounding up about noon. The noon in the tropics. The sun is blazing. And the world around you is glittering. You can see the shine of the water everywhere you look. Even it seems when you're looking away. The tropics are like that. Everything is in a heat haze. It is summer, after all. 
and everywhere you look, there is greenery and there are blossoms. And there are people excitedly gathered around one or another of these posters that Tissa saw, chattering to themselves about fortune. Whatever that may be. And my first question is, are you doing anything before setting out or are you just going to jungle? Mm. Well, let's go get some stuff first. Do we have a map? Well, the map is... How long is the map going to be good for? We don't know. I guess we could try. So I would like everybody to do me a roll of dice and tell me what you're doing to prepare for the journey. Take your pick of stats and skills. I think Penelope is going to do understanding survival. She's going to try to, like, be prepared, as the motto is, and try to prepare for the journey. Um, (laughs) wow, two edge successes. Okay. All right. If you keep these edge successes, I'm going to tell you something uh, very important. Very, very important. That the party's going to need to know, except Tissa. Tissa is going to be fine, but everyone else needs to know this. <laughs> okay. If you keep the edge successes, you're going to delay the party setting out pretty significantly. Like, till nightfall. I think that seems like a Penelope thing to do. Penelope's not necessarily known for punctuality. Okay. So, you are walking along, doing your shopping, you've got your rope, you've got your knives, you've got more rope. Those are pretty much the only things Penelope thinks about. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) if you have ropes and knives, you're good to go, right? Pockets full of snacks, ropes and knives, and we've got Penelope. She's fine. (laughs) And then you see one of these posters and it says very clearly, do not breathe this pollen. This (gasps) pollen is a potent hallucinogen. I should get covering, face covering, masks, scarves, things. Yes. Someone who already wears a scarf over their face is probably going to be okay. But everybody else might be in trouble. Ah. So Penelope then buys one, two, three scarves and actually four scarves. A new one for Tiss as well. And uh, (laughs) we all get matching pretty scarves. Okay. So, um, who else would like to make a roll to get ready to go out? Yeah, I'd like to ask a question, if you don't mind. I believe you were saying that where this was located was, like, off some bay? Yeah. Were we... We are to understand that we can get there via jungle, not, like, going out sailing? Yeah. You can get there by either route. Okay, cool. Cool. Thank you. I think that Tissa is going to go to the checkered board lodge and look at what the maps of the day are like and see if she can figure out whether it makes more sense to go by jungle or via ship or just what. See if she can't find a good route. So that's going to be uh, probably understanding navigation, huh? Sounds like, actually. I would also take adaptability navigation. I got two successes and an edge. Two successes will be plenty. You get a map showing the area. The coral as it stands right now is going to make it a little bit easier to approach by sea. That is, assuming we leave today, who knows what happens tomorrow. Exactly correct. And Cobb is going to roll uh, Adaptability Humanity because he wants to make sure that we have plenty of supplies for everybody. Seeing as it's very warm and don't get dehydrated kids. So he's going to make sure that we have plenty of water and comestibles and those sorts of things. So that way we do not have to resort to eating pocket snacks. Uh, are you? But uh, fine. You're shopping on your own. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Silence, gremlin. <laughs> the, the gremlin is always. <sighs> well, so Cobb rolled very well. He got three successes and two edge successes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You find some great rations. Lightweight, easy to carry, taste great. There's some really interesting, like, dried fruit snacks around here, too. Some A-plus trail mix. Good job. What about Cecile? How does he prepare for a voyage into the jungle? I was either going to do adaptability fashion to see what I could, like, grab as my foraging gear for the whole crew, 
or adaptability medicine to, like, from my shelves of mystery stuff, like, grab what I think we may need. I guess if it's cool, I'll open it to the group to see what you would prefer. Those are both good rolls. I think adaptability medicine is cooler because do any of us have? No, I, Penelope has medicine, but she doesn't use it that often. She she often forgets that that medicine is a thing she could do more often. <laughs> I feel like Penelope's medicine is more like trauma care type stuff and yeah. like injuries and those sorts of things. Whereas like this is a completely different kind of thing. That works for me. Uh, okay, I am rolling adaptability medicine to grab from uh, my shelves of uh, things that I've collected over the years and from my memory book of recipes to see what I can bring preventatively. Right. And remind me, ones are edges, fives and sixes are successes? That's correct. All right, I have two edges and nothing else. Okay. So, if you keep the edge successes, two successes, I will allow you to bring a substance that you take in in your choosing that will counteract mm-hmm. the effects of the bat bell pollen. Okay. However, we will not be certain whether you brought the right thing. Oh, and I'm absolutely when, taking that. When the, yeah, when the time comes to <laughs> when the time comes to use it, we will roll dice. Yeah. Kat. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so you bring what you're pretty sure is an antidote to bat bell pollen. And so you reconvene eventually. It is after the dinner hour when Penelope finally catches up with all of you waving scarves in the air. And the time has come to set out in search of your prize. And I do believe, I do believe it's memory time. I think it's memory time now. Well, I have a a meta memory when you're like, Bill, describe. And Bill's like, no. (laughs) 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 Just... (laughs) Cursed, don't reward him. (laughs) (laughs) It was fun. I liked the atmosphere of the apothecary and like, it was a neat meeting. I liked it. I really liked the combined effort between Kat and Bill for the weird hammer glass drink. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that kicked ass. Also, I I really liked Kirsten's setup and payoff. Yeah, that was actually really good, but (laughs) (laughs) Kathleen, Bill, your memories, I need them to live. Mm. I'm ready to get back into the jungle. Yeah, it's preemptive memory, but it's going to be exciting. (laughs) I'm also excited. I very much liked how uh, everybody was like so concrete and clear with what they were bringing to sitting down at that bar to like just tee up things for everybody. And then the reactions mm-hmm. to each just like fit so well into even just like the first few minutes of uh, knowing these characters walking through the town, uh, especially with Cobb just bringing a drink through town like we're walking through New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> I also liked that a lot. <laughs> Okay, thank you all for playing with me, everybody. It was a blast. Yay. Bill, thank you for joining us. Aw, shucks, you guys. Thanks for having me. We're going to be seeing more of Cecile, so I'm excited for that. Mm -hmm. If you have memories to share with us, you can do it on our website at peachgardengames.com or on Twitter at peachgardenrpgs. Let us know what you think. We love hearing from you. It makes us smile. Also, tell us about your weird, goofy drinks that aren't really <laughs> liquids. Mm-hmm. Tell us all about your favorite drinks. And actually, we now have the heroic Discord. I started one. So it is in the profile of our Twitter account. Check it out if you want to come visit us. We'd love to hear from you. We would. There's plenty of cool people there. Folks have been setting up gameplay sessions. So, hey, if you're listening to this and thinking, this setting and this system sound like a ton of fun. You can find someone there to uh, to get a game going. Please do. It's great. And if audience wants more Bill, where do they find that? Uh, well, it used to be on Twitter, but I... 
you, that? Are, but I, I hear that you and Twitter are off, off and on again. I, okay. uh, uh, I, I bullied Lindsey Graham too many times. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, you can find me on the other show, The Cat's on, Edge to the World, and very soon other other stuff that's from the Baleheart world that you'll also know Dylan from, uh, who was the guest before me. You can find us at Tales from the Tabletop. That's tfttpresents.com. And our Twitter is tftt underscore presents. Great. And when when we launch Edge of the World as a podcast, you'll be the first one to hear about it, listener. But speaking of Discord, Cat, what other Discord can they find us at? Oh, goodness. You can find us on the BK Roll Dice Network. If you're interested in homosexuality and role-playing games, and who isn't, those are the best things, you can find us at BK Roll Dice. We are part of a network full of vibrant and beautiful and exciting shows, ranging from Super Idols RPG, which is a masks hack about doing magical girl idol shenanigans and it's beautiful to the room where it happened, which is an Appalachian, what is it? Uh, sci-fi thriller. Would you say Kathleen? Mm-hmm. Sci-fi thriller, space Western, uh, verges into a, a little bit with the most recent kind of adventure, some like metal gear territory. It's fantastic. And I love it. It's a triple threat. Dang. There's dangerous times at Chillhaven high, which is a kind of like, Buffy, Archie, all of your favorite awful CW shows kind of game. It's great. Absolutely. And you can not only talk to us, but talk to our network friends on the Be Gay Roll Dice Discord. We would love to have you. All right. I think we successfully ended the episode, gang. I think so. No, we have to do is say goodbye to the listener. And we love you. Bye, listener. See you next time, listener. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. Experience Points Season 3 is a homebrew adventure for the mind of our very own Kenny, Twitter user at Punderdrome. With inspiration drawn from the Expanse, Inner Space, The Dark Ship, and Starfinder lore, we bring you The Behemoth. Join me, Joss, the eldest of the Pepper Clone Clan, skilled pilot, and angst-filled mechanic. Abra is a shimmering data wizard that always has salt water around, but not for the reason you might think. The An, Shirin, spiritual advisor, and ascetic assassin. And Harper Neon, a Borai gnome biohacker that has just the right serum for any occasion, as long as you don't mind the fumes as we find our way into and explore this strange drift ship anomaly.